NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. Yes. I know we had just started talking about sort of... um, you know, just where we are right now in teaching and learning and, you know, the sort of like need to sort of think about where do we want to go because so much is unknown. So. Yes. And uh, not only where we want to go, but where we are now. And, um, and, and even though we're in this pandemic time, we were sort of in this uh, remote sort of learning environment where everything is mobile yeah. and we have our phones is almost like a, a third appendage right yeah. um and uh so this i think pandemic for me as a so i'm a k to six digital literacy teacher yeah uh, which means that the kids cycle in to me for 45 minutes some classes a little bit longer for scheduling reasons and I primarily do a lot of coding with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I like to delve into other kinds of communication modalities. Since I teach with the school district of Philadelphia, we, um, you know, have an arrangement with the Google suite of a platform of, of tools. And, uh, and so that's what I use a lot of. I'm sorry, my cat has that's this okay. thing. Every time I'm talking to somebody, he wants to be part of it. It's the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so I use a lot of that, and I am um, I'm interested in how that's being used, especially now that I don't have a chance to have kids turn and talk to your partner right. or do a pair share. Yeah. Or yeah. I'd like you three to get together here, which I do a lot of in the computer lab. Conversation and talking, I think, is really important um, in in just writing. And so, how does that happen now? When you your your classroom now is you know a Hollywood Squares of of whatever kids decide to show up really for the remote learning because it really wasn't mandatory once we left. And um, and how how do you kind of generate that? And so, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of insights or best practices, but one insight was just sort of happened when I was coming into a classroom to do um, a coding lesson. And while we were waiting for kids to come in, um, some conversations, side conversations as kids would be want to do were, was happening. And, um, and they started chatting as well. And they started talking about, and this is a group of fifth graders, how, you know, when they, they grow old and they have grandchildren, they're sitting on a porch, literally they were saying these words, they're going to be able to talk about their days at COVID during COVID-19 or <laughs> coronavirus. And they're going to say, you didn't know what it was like back then, but let me tell you a story. And it was, it was wow. fascinating non-teacher generated conversation that was happening. Uh, um, There was a good, at that point already, a good 10 or 11 kids there and we were waiting for more to come on that was happening. And I was there with the homeroom teacher. We didn't say anything. We just let them go on um, and uh, and with the chat as well. And so um, 
I went on with my lesson, but after that I said, hmm, now that's the way good writing starts. That's, that's how it begins. And how do you take something like that that's just so organic and comes from a real feeling and, and make that into something that could be possible? So I started an online uh, journal where I had the kids. Um, I asked if I could come back later on. I had a side conversation with the, with the teacher about, hey, did you know conversation that was going on? Wasn't that wild? Um, and I just developed very simple journal pages out of Google Slides. We only had three more weeks of school left. And, and um, I gave her this idea and she was, yes, yeah, come on in for the next class. And I came in, I said, hey, you know, I recapped what I heard and I thought it was so great. And um, I said, here are some slides I'd like you to record at least once a day. And, and I also show them how to add pages if you want to keep adding pages. But at minimum, do three entries, one per week that we had left over. And just write freely about what you're doing during COVID-19 or during your quarantine. I call it, this is your quarantine journal. And, um, and, and, I, and I hoped to capture some of that thinking. And I, I did get a variety of responses. Some of them are, you know, are charming about cooking noodles with their family and, and doing a lot more of that. Most of them, almost 99% talking about how much they, um, one child in particular said, this was the best thing to happen. I don't have teachers breathing down my back. I can take a break from my work when I want to, and I can come back when I want to. I think, I think that was true. And I think that he sort of wrote for a segment of kids for whom this kind of learning works well. And I've heard that anecdotally from teachers. Um, but anyway, it, I guess, you know, in answer to thinking about how you would design and support learners and recommendations, there are all kinds of things you could put out there. You know, there are all kinds of cute little gadgets you can find online. Pear Deck is one of them that I kind of got into this year, or with the with the whole uh, transition to remote learning. But taking advantage of what kids already do mobily, I mean, as young as first graders, I have coming in with their phones. Um, they are they are doing they are chatting and they are texting and they're carrying these conversations offline, and I. I would be dishonest if I didn't say that that has led to some trouble that we've had to deal with at a school level. And we have a wonderful counselor and I do a strong component on media literacy. And uh, we, I have a very uh, amazing principal who, who addresses this, but I think there's so much power there uh, because you see language come out of there. You see unique uh, uh, linguistics that um, that uh, I think that we might not call school language, but it's a form of communication that kids use that I'm um, kind of been introduced to. You know, I just I never knew about some of the words that they use um, to communicate simple ideas. Um, so I I think that if we had room someplace in the writing space or classroom or the writing curriculum where uh, kids are allowed to be able to use that kind of organic 
communication, a chat feature in Google Classroom, or, you know, I, I find a lot uh, through the comments the kids are able to make in, uh, in Classroom as well as in the simple Google Doc. Um, that kind of like side talk that happens, um, it may take a little bit of mining from the teacher to kind of go through and see what sort of um, threads are coming out and themes. But um, I think that somehow if we were to go on, continue with this kind of learning, I need to do a lot of learning myself about how I would harness that part so that it can be used for what I want to teach curricularly or officially as a teacher, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And um, I've been thinking about, I've been learning alongside my uh, seven-year-old nephew recently about how to play Minecraft. Mm -hmm. And the way he, and and he he's one who this this online learning thing is really challenging for. I mean, he had trouble sitting in a chair to begin with <laughs> yeah. in a classroom and then to like sit in front of the Zoom computer at home. But what he's doing intensely with his time is he goes into Minecraft and then he checks YouTube to learn how to do something in Minecraft and then he goes back to Minecraft. I don't know. I mean, it's like, the yep. literacies there are really quite astounding, you know? And then sort of how he translates that into what he does and builds in Minecraft. Um, and, and then, you know, we actually had a conversation about what was happening with Black Lives Matter through Minecraft because he started building a police station and I told him oh do you know that like there was a policeman who just got um fired and arrested and he said no I didn't know that uh, yeah anyway it was just like this I don't know it was just it's been intense it's been interesting and that side talk also has been really interesting and I love I mean I, I think it fits for me, I'm, I'm wondering about how it fits into your family literacies thinking overall, like the oh, family right. community work too. So um, the team, the teachers that I work with that are featured in the article and I have, um, well, that project has kind of been suspended. We had, uh, yeah. because of the quarantine and leaving school, we had a, a fairly rigorous an exciting plan that was going to move ahead where we were going to work with one of our Southeast Asian community groups mm -hmm. um, and their connection with the families that they service who come to our school and also their connection with the, some high school students who are also going to not only provide help us with the technology that they know so intuitively but also the diversity of languages that we have at our school um, so um, that was really exciting because we also see saw the family and communities uh, stories project as a uh, as one that revolves around actual conversation 
that families had. Uh, part of our initial grant um, provided food, for instance, money for food, so that uh, you know conversation happened around food, and then that would be you know uh, that would result conversation result into an actual story, and then uh, we had iPads that we were able to buy with our grant and the grant, and, and we would actually record the stories right onto the iPads. Um, so there were lots of little parts to this. Um, and uh, now that we are, you know, remote, we, we don't, we, we've had to suspend that. Now, now we're wondering what we could do to continue this because our families still have, as you talked about earlier, they have uh, phones. Every child now has a Chromebook, at least at our school. We've, you know, the school district of Philadelphia made sure that they all had Chromebooks, but our school were pretty, clear, pretty certain that about 100% of our kids have their Chromebooks. And so there are ways to record into that and to, uh, and to um, devise a story. But I think the communication that telling these stories, uh, writing them down, and I'm not saying necessarily writing them down in a paragraph form that we would think of as teachers, but to use some of what they already know, like AutoDraw, for instance, in the Google Suite, or some of the other kinds of features they've learned in the lab when we were there. And that that is a form of writing and literacy and telling your story. Um, I think that we need to, to talk about how we can communicate this message so that we can get some stories back in return while folks are at home. Um, telling stories already. We know that this is already happening and that we could uh, validate as real tools for learning. Um, I think that that's, I think in some ways, families and kids sort of know how to do this. They upload all the time to Facebook or to Instagram. That's, that's the biggest thing right now, TikTok. Um, but to sort of like honor it and say, hey, you're saying some really great stuff here. Um, maybe our intervention as teachers could be, you know, let's make this more of a storyline, like what happened next? And, you know, or, you know, the coda at the end, what was the lesson you learned from here? And then putting that all together, um, this is a story and it has a lesson that others can really learn from. Um, I think that in a way that that's the communication that has to happen um, for families that sort of already know what to do in some respects technologically. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like there's, you know, research coming out about how you know, concern about test scores and kids falling back and everything. And I'm sort of thinking, but there's also this amazing opportunity <laughs> to connect to homes in a way that, and communities that we haven't, like, that's in many ways been, been um, an elusive or maybe not even important part of, of some schools, right? And you've been trying to do this for a while now and it's not easy or obvious, right? I mean, what I love about your article too is that it's very, um, 
it feels very real. You're like, oh, we weren't sure what to do to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and yeah. anyway. As you said, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been um, something that we validated at the school level. Right. And um, I've been interested in this sort of idea of space now. You mm -hmm. and I are occupying this, you know, kind of yeah. rectangular space. <laughs> and um, going into some of these classrooms through Google Meet uh, is a window into a space of learning. So we're entering that space as teachers they're looking into our space this is how i teach i don't i don't change my background um and the kids really don't either so you have a window into their space and what's behind them mm -hmm. and then this idea again of space was even made and i haven't put this all into some cohesive beautiful philosophical uh thesis but um, there were a couple of times, I'm a Spanish speaker, mm -hmm. many of our families are from Mexico and Central America, mm -hmm. and uh, very early on I, I spoke a bit of, quite a bit of Spanish to get some, some message across to some of the kids. <laughs> and on several occasions you would have this rectangle, and then you would see a head come in this way, <laughs> and another head of an adult, right? of, of the adults who are primarily probably Spanish speakers and we're looking, who's this teacher speaking in a language I recognize? Right. So I would begin in English, obviously, and most of the teachers are, are English, solely English speakers, but suddenly they were hearing their language kind of come from the screen and it made me wonder about the space that was behind the screen. And, uh, and so there are lots of dimensions to this, right? So there's like the learning that's happening behind the screen that's already there, that's not being recorded or not in that visual place. And then there's this, there's this space of learning that we see within the triangle that, that both captures my background and your, your background and, and how we utilize that space. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, the space that we are in time right now, you yeah. know, highly polemic time and, uh, and what that means for us as teachers and for our students who are hearing it and living it in their own spaces at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, what I, well, what, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about what I love about your work in general is this sort of like, clear inquiry approach you take to where we are, like asking questions about where, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And um, one of the comments I made at the top of this conversation was that I do think there's this like desire to get best practices around this work. And my, having been in this work for a while, I tend to think whatever this work is, sometimes I'm not even sure what this work is, but maybe like for the sake of argument, you know, using digital media tools and working in network spaces and all that is I feel like there's effective practices that are emerging for sure but that that we really have to keep designing this together and as you say it's a really unique space not just in terms of like the tools we're using but the the 
the moment we're in, you know, we've, this is unprecedented. And I, I love that the kids were talking about this, like think, imagining themselves on the porch as older <laughs> folks. I mean, that's just, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it just shows a level of self-awareness and of, you know, moment in time that's just beautiful. And, and talk about the opportunities. Um, so that particular example, we all know that kids are talking all the time yeah. uh, in a physical classroom, but the opportunity for the teachers, so it was me and the homeroom teacher now to hear the conversation. They knew that we were waiting, and the homeroom teacher, quite frankly, was, she was writing something down, I remember, and I was kind of like listening, I didn't have anything to write down, but after we conferred, I knew that she was, we, we both heard the same thing. There's this opportunity to, um, I mean, nothing's going to substitute the physical classroom, mm -hmm. but we had, th that was a unique opportunity to really listen to these conversations that were happening in this Google Meet space and in what was happening in a chat. Yeah. That when you're in a physical classroom, you have as a teacher a million things going on and, um, and it's not that easy to peel away and hear these little micro conversations that could be really rich yeah. for a teacher to take advantage of. So, um, so yes, to your point, I think looking at the opportunities that are here now, this is our reality now. Yeah. And then how do we move forward if we're going to look at this as a, as an inquiry approach? Great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Robert, so much for talking to me. Um, and, and for taking on this inquiry and for sharing your work too, as you, as you go. So. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.